Good morning, Conduit. How are you? Good. My name is Cameron. I'm one of the pastors here. If uh, you're visiting with us this morning, we want to say welcome home. Uh, we hope that you find uh, we fi we hope that you find a place where that you where you can feel at home, where you can feel like there are um, a, a people around you um, who are loving and supporting and encouraging you to. Uh, pursue your own relationship with Jesus. We're grateful that you are here this morning. Um, I've got a few announcements to share uh, with us this morning, and then you're gonna um, um, praise the Lord. You're gonna hear from you're gonna hear from um, different people other than me more than you're gonna hear from me this morning. All right, round of applause for not hearing from me this morning. Yeah. No, um, I'll, I'll be honest, I'll, uh, it makes me a little bit anxious. Um, you guys all know that I am, uh, I'm not really a recovering control freak. I'm kind of like an active control freak. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and so to, uh, to stand up here this morning and to come having really prepared um, nothing to share with you uh, this morning. I was talking with the Lord both last night and this morning, and I was like, uh, you know, feeling like there was... We've been studying in the book of Romans and feeling like, okay, here's the next section of scripture that I was supposed to preach on in the book of Romans. And then like considering all that God has done and considering all that God is doing, um, that the Lord was like, why, like, why do, like, they don't need to hear something else from you this morning, right? Like, I am, I am working, I am moving, I am changing things. Um, just, just tell, make sure that you tell them and show them what it is that I have been doing this week, this year, in these last few years, um, and and let that be, um, let let that let that be the bulk of what happens this morning. So that's what we're going to do. If you're uh, new here this morning, this will be a little bit of a different. Um, experience than you might have if you come here on a normal Sunday or any other Sunday, but we're, I'm anticipating that the Holy Spirit is going to move in significant ways this morning for us, okay? Next announcement, of course, is about the Thanksgiving event. Um, and so we, we collect, uh, we ask if you would like to participate in providing some of those bags that uh, so obviously several of you have already, and there's many bags in the back where we collect these bags for a part of the month of October and a part of the month of November. And then on the Saturday before Thanksgiving, we have six different sites across the city of Jamestown where we hand out um, these bags full of Thanksgiving groceries as well as a um, pie that we will have there and a frozen turkey um, and a disposable, um, a disposable cooking tray for the turkey so that families all over the city of Jamestown can have the um, experience, the dignity, the joy of preparing a meal, a Thanksgiving meal in their own home um, if, they, um, if they maybe weren't able to provide that meal for themselves for this year. So we want to be able to provide that for as many people as we can across the city of Jamestown and even beyond. And so this year we've expanded those sites into not just five sites here in the city of Jamestown, but also um, a few kind of like satellite locations and other small communities around uh, the county, Frewsburg, um, Celeron, um, possibly Casadega. Additionally, if you, um, if you don't, uh, if you were like, I really want to 
participate. I really want to take part. I really, I really want to provide uh, the opportunity to, uh, for families to have some of these bags, but I don't want to go shopping or anything like that. You can, um, you can just give money to that, and then we will, we will purchase bags with that money in bulk, and then we'll have a big packing day here as the event gets a little bit closer. Um, in all in all seriousness, it's um, it's a it's a fun it's a fun time for us to uh, partner with Bemis and other local uh, local organizations, local businesses, local individuals. It really is a community wide event, and uh, we believe we have this. We you know I believe that if Jesus was like actually in the flesh, not just in the spirit with us today, but if Jesus was in the flesh with us today, he would be about the work and ministry of feeding people. And how do I know that? Because all throughout the Gospels, wherever he went, he was concerned with and took a compassionate stance towards the physical needs and often just the raw hunger of people. And even when his disciples themselves said, hey, Lord, you need to send this big crowd of people away. We don't have the resources to feed them. It's not our job to feed them. He looked at them and he said, hey, look, you feed them. Why are we sending them away? They're here. They're, they're like... Like, let us have compassion on them. It is our job. We will, we will feed them. And so, um, and so we want to unite ourselves with the ministry and the spirit of Jesus that says, hey, feeding people is an important work in the proclamation and incarnation of the gospel. All right? It is a thing that, it is a thing that the Lord uses to infuse the hope of the gospel into people's lives. All right. Um, there is also opportunity for you to serve at one of those locations. Obviously, handing out 1,250 turkeys and bags is a monumental effort for, um, for, we just need a lot of human resources, okay? So you can also sign up to serve at one of those events. You can do so by, again, getting on the Church Center app and signing up there. Or um, if you are not on the Church Center app, you can also grab one of these cards that has the grocery list on them, and there are QR codes that you can scan with your phone, and that'll take you right to the sign-up um, as well. And we will need lots of people to do lots of different tasks and jobs um, uh, as that event gets closer, okay? I think um, taking part in stuff like this is an incredible way that God works um, not just through the church, but also in individuals and in people, okay? Um, and I was, as I was thinking about the way in which God has used things like this in the course of history at Conduit here, we've been doing this, I think, for eight years now. Um, I was thinking about, like, who could I get to share their story about serving at the Thanksgiving event? And so, um, so I... I text my friend and my neighbor, Brad Swanson. You guys all know Brad. Brad's been, Brad and his wife Amy and their family have been a part of Conduit for quite a few years now. And I know that um, the Thanksgiving event was a big, is a big part of his testimony, his full testimony. So I asked, hey, would you just share a few things about um, your experience at the event? And when he texted me back, he essentially said, um, I, like, do I have to? <laughs> with like pukey face emoji, you know? And then as, um, as the day went on, we texted a little bit more and he was like, I'm just gonna tell you, I feel like I need to share my whole testimony. Woo! So, <laughs> um, 
so we're gonna I'm gonna we're gonna um, in just a second we're gonna welcome Brad up here, right? Nobody make eye contact, please. <laughs> Uh, we're going to welcome Brad up here, and, um, and Brad is going to come up and share the testimony, his testimony, um, and, and then we'll come up and say a few words afterwards. So let's have Brad come up. Let's pray for Brad as he comes up, okay? All right, let's have a, let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the way in which you work in the lives of um, men and women all over the city. Father, I am so blessed. We are so blessed to see how uh, your son Jesus has transformed, is continuing to transform the Swanson family. Lord, and we thank you for that. We, we praise you for that. And um, Lord, I pray that you would be glorified in these next um, couple of minutes as Brad shares with you the story of his coming to faith, the story of his family's transformation, the story of his continued leadership um, for your glory and for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we have him. I have him on Luke's microphone, Brent, and it should be, um, should be good to go. So you just click off mute, and I'm going to leave it to you. All right. Things got real when Cameron gave me a microphone. <laughs> and this isn't part of the speech, but, um, or my notes. But what Cameron left out was um, when he sent that text, that invitation, he sent it, uh, me and Cam and Sherry and my wife Amy have a, a group text. Um, and uh, he sent it to both of us and, and asked me and Amy to share our testimony. I was, uh, I was at football practice, and um, Amy quickly volunteered me to do that because she knows how much I like to speak in public. So it was about 7.30, getting caught up on text when I found out that she volunteered me for this. But um, it was the push that I needed, so I appreciate it. Um, Cameron introduced uh, you to me and my wife, um, Amy. We've been going to Conduit now here for a few years um, with our, our son Jackson and daughter Aubrey. Um, I've been serving on the security team here for uh, quite a while um, under Jake, um, the coffee bar under Vinny, um, and our family's been volunteering for the Thanksgiving meal handout planning committee um, for about the last three years, which, like what Cameron said, is why he asked me to speak today. Um, not a great public speaker, so please bear with me. My nerves lack eye contact as I unprofessionally read from my notes. <laughs> Just really don't want to miss any details or, or part of our story. But like Cameron said, I, I was very hesitant to do this. Um, but I, I just I knew I couldn't say no, and I knew I couldn't. You know, Cameron was very willing to make this whatever I wanted it to be. A couple minutes, uh, sit down on a chair on the stage, off the stage, and as the day went on, I just I knew it had to be um, testimony, um, our family's testimony, um, because when I shared my testimony maybe a year or two ago with Bryce Dieter, um, he told me how great it was, and then he gave me homework and made me put it in long form and short form and turn it in for review, and 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 when when it was it was. 
down to where it needed to be and it had everything in it, it needed to be. He said, now the only thing from here is uh, when somebody asks you to give your testimony, you can't say no. So thanks, Bryce. Um, personally, I grew up in a Christian family um, with my mother and father uh, from a very young age, and we attended church. What's funny is the church we attended, there's a, a lot of those members from that former congregation here with us now. Funny how things come full circle. Um, but we all, I mean, and I say all as a family, um, pretty much stopped attending church when my parents divorced. Um, when we stopped attending, um, I wouldn't return to church for almost 25 years. And in those 25 years, I wouldn't say that I didn't believe in Christ, but I didn't actively seek him either. Um, truthfully, I think, if I'm being honest, um, I associated a lot of bad from my parents' divorce with that period in my life, and that included church life as well. And I just ran from it all for a clean break. I very much so developed a I-can-do-it-myself attitude aimed at the people in my family, the people who surround me everywhere, and God at a young age. I just felt... Being a good, hardworking person on my own, I could get by and God would just understand that I didn't need church and he would accept that as long as I did the right things. I don't have a story full of alcoholism, drug abuse, or poor life choices to tell you, but in those 25 years, I promise you, I did eventually become an addict of sorts, no less dangerous than the vices that I mentioned. Early on, uh, around 14, 15 years old, um, I met my wife, Amy, and we've been together ever since. Meeting the love of your life that young will have you thinking very maturely and about your, your future at a young age. At 15, I made the commitment to be an electrician and to one day be a future business owner. From that point on, Amy and I saved every penny we had. I worked as many hours as I could and eventually opened my own business. At the same time, my wife Amy followed her dream and her passion to go to college to be an elementary school teacher. Um, and she's been doing that since day one of graduating college, working at Love Elementary School here in Jamestown, New York. Amy and I became adults at a very young age, needless to say. From the outside looking in, Amy and I were in the prime of our life. We had two beautiful kids nice car, nice home, successful business owner, successful career, financially stable, the American dream, the white picket fence, everything you could ask for if you were putting it on paper. We had it all at a young age in a great relationship. But one thing Amy and I were never honest with each other about was that even in all that success, the giant holes we both had in our hearts. While we did have it all when speaking of things of this world, it never truly felt like it. So we would strive for more things of this world. I would work more and more to grow my business to become double what it's been, triple what it's been, so that our family could afford anything and everything, whether it be new houses, bigger houses, better cars, vacations. I became an addict to the things of this world and a slave to my work to attempt to fill that hole in our hearts. I took great pride in having a full schedule from sunup to sundown, no different than abusing alcohol or drugs to numb the pain. I just did it with what I considered noble things, like working hard, working late, first one in, last one out, volunteering, or helping someone out. Anything to avoid reality. It was a repeat cycle until about 2017. I attended a New Year's Eve sports benefit for a friend of mine, Josh Roth was hosting. 
the Ross currently attend conduit, but didn't at the time. If you don't know Josh, he's a New York State trooper, usually sitting in the back. He looks like he's cut from an action movie because if I'm being honest, Josh is from an action movie. Josh is a former NFL fullback that played for the Buffalo Bills and the Chiefs, and he'll be the last person to tell you that. He's as humble as they come, a black belt owner of Kinetics Combat Sports, where he instructs Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, Muay Thai, and MMA. Myself at the time, I was currently in the worst physical and mental shape of my life. And at the time, a few beers in to a conversation about UFC, the shape that I was in, in a fight we all had just watched, when Josh quickly interjected and used that opportunity to invite me to step on the mats as a student to turn my health around. Of course, I quickly accepted. Being in a group of all guys, I had to be the tough guy in front of my friends. So I couldn't say no. Not only that, but what another great way to fill even more time in my already hectic schedule. From the first day I started training jujitsu, I was hooked. I met a ton of great people that would later become some of my closest friends, even a few that attend Conduit and other churches in the area. Josh got my nutrition under control from day one, introduced me to reading books again and unlocked my mind for the first time since high school. Physically, I went from 210 pounds to 170 pounds, which seemed like an instant. Mentally and spiritually, I was on a high because for the first time in a long time, that hole in my heart started to feel a little less painful. And at first, I thought it was just the love of a new sport, a new hobby, a new addiction, but it was much more than that. And see, you probably made the connection by now. Kinetics is where Pastor Cameron instructs jiu-jitsu at. Him, him and Josh go way back. I, Cam and I clicked early, real early on, when he found out I was an electrician and he a carpenter. But I need you to know, I didn't say pastor, I said carpenter. I truly don't know, I, I truly don't think I knew Cam was a pastor for, for months after meeting him. In fact, I don't think it was until I started a Sunday morning jiu-jitsu club that I ran, thought I was doing a great thing for my instructors, and entitled it Sunday Sinners, that Cameron finally grabbed me by the arm and said, hey, bro, you know I'm a pastor, right? And while that's funny to talk about, it's critical to my testimony. Because if Cam shook my hand the first night and hit, we, hit me with, Hi, I'm Pastor Cameron Linehart. Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? I would have ran from him, kinetics, and everybody all together, just like I ran from everybody else who pressured me for the last 25 years. What Cameron and Josh did, however, was create a culture of community that my heart so desperately needed. It wasn't jujitsu saving my life or making my heart whole. It was the community of that gym full of disciples like Cameron. And not just Cameron, but the other friends I met on that mat like Matt Levesque and Lauren Timko and Matt Bailey and Jack Albin and Samantha Hauer who already had their established relationships with Christ and even disciples, and I say disciples, even when Josh wasn't attending conduit yet, Josh was a disciple, and he didn't even know he was discipling me at the time. It was the community that he offered. All were doing God's work in the same to me on those sweaty jujitsu mats. 
Shortly after my start at Kinetics on my way home from work one day, I passed a car full of Linehearts waving at me. We've all passed the Linehearts. When I discussed it the next night at Kinetics with Cam, he said they were house hunting in that area where we saw them, and they actually put an offer in on that house. They were pretty excited about it. And the Lord, and I mean the Lord himself, guided Cam and Sherry without knowing where I live to buy the house directly across the street from us. When I found out, I was super excited. I had a jiu-jitsu friend becoming a new neighbor, and when Cam found out, he had a much more important yet different reaction that I'll get into later. So, Pastor Cam moves in next door. This is where we just show up at Conduit because now he's my neighbor and we're friends and the rest is history. No, very stubborn. Very convinced that I still didn't need Christ, can do it on my own, and no matter how many times my new friend and neighbor casually invited me and nudged me along, I wasn't taking the bait. It was jujitsu that was healing my heart. That's all I needed to keep doing. While I wouldn't be tricked into attending Conduit, I did take a few of Cameron's invitations along the way. One was volunteering to be an instructor along with Jackie at a Conduit Brave event that taught self-defense to young women. Sure, that's just jujitsu, not church. We can do that. After, after, I'm sorry. (laughs) After we finally come full circle to why I'm speaking today, Cameron asked again if I'd help with another event, a non-church-related event of sorts. It was a Thanksgiving meal handout they were doing, and they were early on in. And he asked if, if me and Amy would come on as a volunteer. Absolutely, we said. We jumped, we jumped at the opportunity and told him how committed we all were to families in need that he described. As Amy was a teacher in the poverty-stricken school, Love District, and this really hit close to home with what we were already doing. He let us know that they were also still in need of another handout site and asked Amy if she'd want to make Love School that new site, of which she quickly jumped at and secured with her principal. So now if you're keeping score, Cameron has gotten the guy who won't go to church to go to two church events. While volunteering at the Thanksgiving handout, we were overjoyed with helping all the families in need that day, very specifically Amy's students and their families, and seeing what a true difference we were making in these people's lives around the Thanksgiving holiday. But I'd be lying if I said that's what got our heart's attention that day. It was something, more, something very much more special than that and more personal. What got our heart was the volunteers from Conduit, all strangers to us besides Cameron that we met and interacted with for the first time that day. Very specifically that year's site leader at Love School, Jess McKeever. We met her and volunteers like her. And I can just remember me and Amy just quietly saying to each other like, hey, those guys are cool. They're not, they're not like church people, they're like us. <laughs> they made us feel welcome and they made us feel loved, not an outcast because we weren't church people, or made us feel like sinners because we didn't have a church to call home. We were just instantly part of the team, part of the family, and most important, part of the conduit community. A very definitive moment in me and my family coming to Christ was that day when Jessica said in our huddle, this is church, and explained how what we were doing for those families and those people that day 
this was church not this building but what we were doing in that parking lot was church it was at that very moment i knew cameron had been playing chess while i was playing checkers (laughs) after years of dodging him I'm proud to say that the Swansons unknowingly attended church for the first time that day in the parking lot of Love School Elementary. After that event and that experience, there was no invitation that was needed from Cameron. My wife and I asked him if we could come to Conduit sometime. And now the rest is history. See, you can stand on the corner with a sign and yell into a megaphone that someone's going to hell if they don't change their ways, if you want. And it very well may be true. But someone in need, in desperate need of community and love, will just quickly walk on the other side of the street to avoid you if you don't offer what they need. Because I, deep down inside, I knew what I needed. I knew what our family needed, and we ran from it. You can't force someone to change But you can show them another way in how you act by walking like Jesus. So much so that they want want what you have and someday ask you to attend church like the Swanson family did. This year will mark our third year of running the Thanksgiving meal handout location at Love School. And if you volunteered at my site before we pray and power clap, I'll also tell you what a big Pastor Craig Rochelle fanboy I am. And... It's okay, Cameron knows he's my second favorite pastor. <laughs> now that I'm thinking about it, I just, that just, now Luke just rolled down. <laughs> maybe, I, maybe I should have left that part out. But Cameron knows he's a fanboy too. But I'll read you a quote uh, from Pastor Craig. It's super short, but one of his most powerful sayings. And he lets you know that people in need are not projects we need to fix. They're simply people we need to love. You don't need to understand their background. You don't need to know the perfect advice to give them. It's really just as simple as showing them love. Not just showing love for the families coming to get their meal, but the volunteers lined up next to you. The ones that volunteer that day. The co-workers you go back to the next day. The parents of the kids you coach in your local sports league. Your neighbors, the stranger you see at the store. You don't need a magic Bible verse or perfect wording. You just need to show them love and belonging without discrimination like Jesus would. The same love that I was shown by in a New Year's Eve party, the same love that I was shown on the sweaty mats of an MMA gym, and the same love that I was showed in a cold parking lot at Love School Elementary, that's all you need to be armed with. Those simple acts of love and kindness cannot just be life-changing, but eternity-changing, because it was eternity-changing for my family. So while you're volunteering at these handout sites, remember, we aren't just feeding families that day. We're paving a path directly to the Lord by simply showing someone, anyone, love without discrimination. Now, currently, the Swansons spend every free minute we have with the molars, the crewies, in the brags on the Frewsburg sidelines of any sport we can get our hands on, discipling parents, kids, and strangers on baseball fields, football fields, and still sweaty jujitsu mats, because that's where our family found Christ in the most unconventional ways. Circling back to what I hit on earlier, I mentioned a pivotal moment in the Swanson's path to Christ was when Cam and Sherry became our neighbors. 
we we never knew it, but Cam told his wife Sherry while standing on their new property that overlooks our house that he wasn't sure of all the details yet and what the Lord was saying, but that he knew put on his heart was that someday he was going to baptize the family that lives in that house. I never knew it. He didn't make a bold prediction or a challenge to my face. He just showed me unconditional love and eventually proclaimed it to the congregation outside this church in a pandemic that was meant to keep me and my family home under a tent in an ice-cold tank of water right before he baptized my whole family a few years ago. So this Thanksgiving, wherever and however you might be volunteering in the days that pass, I want you to look at a family attending or a person involved in that event, make a connection, show them love, and quietly say to yourself, someday I'm going to baptize that family and get to work. You're welcome, Fran. Mm-hmm. Fran is Brad's mom. Oh. I mean, I don't really know what else to say. Um, there's not. There's not a whole lot. There's not a whole lot. There's, there's not a whole lot that needs to be said in that, other than um, not even other than. But I was just reminded in the midst of um, in the midst of telling that how how what we what you may perceive as small or insignificant conversations, relationships, or acts of love, that God, God wastes zero opportunity. Uh, and, that, and that no act of love, no, no matter how seemingly insignificant to you, or in response to someone else, that no, no act of love is ever wasted. Because it is, those, it, is, it, is those acts, it is those acts of love that even Jesus himself said will be the defining marker to an unbelieving world that we are followers of him. Jesus said in John chapter 13, it's uh, verse 34 and 35, He says, a new command I give to you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. People follow follow and respond to the love of Christ. Um, not our, not not our, not any tremendous or ex- extravagant or extraordinary theological argument. Um, not our, not not a, not even a, a flashy environment or a good coffee or um, anything like that. Like ultimately, ultimately, what draws people into relationship with Jesus Christ is the love of Jesus Christ Himself, who pulls a person through the love of others to himself. Um, so I'm, um, I'm, I'm blessed and honored to know Brad and to know Amy and um, 
And I know that there was, my name came up a lot in that, and we're like, well, wow. Like, well, yeah, of course you're a pastor. That's what you do, right? That's what you should do. And I would tell you, I would tell you this, that there is, there is nothing explicitly pastoral that I did in Brad and Amy's life or for Brad and Amy that day that in, in, across those years that you yourself cannot do as well, right? It is the heart and the spirit of love that as, 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 we, as we walk with Jesus, right, as we walk in relationship with Jesus, and as, as we pursue Jesus and as we worship and love Jesus, it moves our heart out of response to his love in our lives. It moves our hearts to love one another, right? And, the, and, now, and now Brad is using what, what the Lord has done in him to love other people and drawing other people to the love of Jesus as well. And there is nothing special about me and there is nothing special about Brad and there is nothing special about any of us. The special one is Jesus. Jesus is the special one. Um, and yeah, I mean, call it Call it what you will. I think that there is a contemporary or like a modern understanding or idea or perspective about what it means to um, preach the gospel to someone or evangelize someone. And maybe it is the, the idea that you get in your mind of the guy standing on the street corner, right? And there's, like, I'm not going to say anything pejorative about that. But what I will also say is that, is that you can also... You can also play a little chess. <laughs> also play a little chess by walking the long road of faithfulness, loving people who feel like they have a like, who whose lives there's a big hole here, and making small, seemingly insignificant to you and even to them, deposits of the love of Jesus into their life over a long period of time till one day they realize that there is something inside of us that is different than both them and the world around us. And they say, what is, like, what is it? And, it? and it seems like it comes all in this one big crashing moment where the Lord just, just like crushes some, into someone's life and they see it. And sometimes that does happen, of course. But in my experience, what I've seen is that, is that through disciples of Jesus, small deposits of love are made over long periods of time till one day they recognize that they're like this, oh, this, oh, this, what? This is it. And then, and this is key, and this is critical, right? And then it becomes important for you to now articulate exactly what it is you've been doing. Right? I, 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 I do believe that there is a moment when you, are, when you are walking with someone else in life and you are just loving them and 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 then one moment they turn to you and say like, what is the deal? Like what? that there comes a moment where you must articulate the reason for the love, the hope that you have. 
Like it cannot remain silent. The words that are the 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 um the words that Bryce gave to Brad, yeah, that is your testimony. Now write it down, long form, short form. When anyone asks, now you can't say no. Because that's the moment of articulation, right? That's the moment of like, oh, okay, yeah, like I, I I saw what was happening and it was kind of happening behind the scenes, but now it's like, oh wait, yeah, the it's the love of Jesus that drew me into relationship with God. It's the love of Jesus expressed from others. And I, and, I, and I want you to know that I had this giant hole in my heart that I tried to fill with all of this stuff, all of this stuff that we all want and we all pursue, thought it, thinking that it would change internally who I really was. And yeah, maybe the color on the walls was changing and uh, the window treatments were changing, but there was something deep down into the recesses of my soul that was still that was still so empty and still alone and so hopeless until I received what had been offered to me this whole time, which was relationship through Jesus Christ. And I want you to know that the same hole that you're experiencing and the same things that you feel and the same brokenness and darkness and hopelessness that you're experiencing day in and day out that you've been trying to fill or cover up or numb with all of these other things, none of that's going to go away until you grab onto and receive and realize that it is Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone that changes who you are. There is nothing else. There is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Acts chapter 4, verse 12. Right? It is him. It is Jesus. So grateful for Brad. So grateful for Amy. So grateful for your ministry, your continued ministry um, with the kids and the families and the community that you're working with. Um, we're praying for them as they, as they um, minister to kids and to families and to communities and other business leaders and to the people that they work with and, 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 and recognize that your place in ministry is no different. Your opportunity in ministry is no different than mine or his or Pastor Luke's or whomever's. Right? It remains the same. Okay. Um, so, if you want to volunteer at the Thanksgiving event, um, you may just meet someone that you'll baptize someday. Right? Um, that is our prayer. Um, uh, we want, we want to make a, I want to make a little bit of a shift here um, uh, and uh, talk about uh, what we, um, what I think a lot of you have maybe questions about if you were here this past, this past Sunday, or you follow us on Facebook or anything like that, we have been, um, last Sunday, we, uh, we let you know that uh, a family here at Conduit, well, Bryce, Bryce, I'm talking about Bryce a lot this morning, uh, but Bryce and his wife, Amanda, um, and their two-year-old son, two-year-old son, James, who was taken to um, Oshai Children's Hospital last week. Uh, what day was it that you guys went? Late, yeah, okay, late, late Thursday night, that's right, with an abnormal blood test. And, um, and upon getting to Oshai and running some other tests, there was the, there was the uh, fear, or there was the possible diagnosis, what they expected to uncover in later bone marrow biopsy tests, would be that, um, would be that James, their two-year-old son, 
Um, if you have, if you're able to easily access that picture that we put up last week, would you do that? If not, it's okay. Um, that James, their two-year-old son, there he is, um, was um, likely experiencing the effects of one of two things. Um, one possibility was uh, something called aplastic anemia, which is a very serious, uh, very, very serious condition. Um, uh, and the second possibility was that he was experiencing some form of leukemia, some, uh, some kind of cancer of the blood and bone marrow. Um, and we had, I think I had said last week that there, um, actually the, the better of those two diagnoses was leukemia, if you can imagine. All right. Um, uh, honestly, I find both of those, those diagnoses completely unacceptable, right? Like, no, like, no, we're not, no, no, we're not doing this, right? We're not doing this. Um, and um, I am not a medical professional, and I have no idea what either of those two things really are or what they entail. Um, uh, I'm not an expert in any of that field. I'm not even really an expert in the field of faith. Um, but what I, what I do know is that, um, is that any diagnosis that could be possible for James is okay because the Lord can heal it all. Right, that, like, so go ahead and name whatever diagnoses you want to name or put on it. Fine. Like, okay, oh it's, oh, it's leukemia? Oh, good. That's something that Jesus can heal. Right? Aplastic anemia? Okay, good. That's something that Jesus can heal. And so we've been praying um, and praying 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 as a church that it would, be, um, it would be neither of those two things, okay? We sent, out these, uh, we sent around these little spreadsheets of praying during these half-hour time slots. Well, I'm going to send them around again, okay? And, um, and ask that you would again sign up um, to pray during one of these time slots for, uh, for James and for his family, for his complete and 100%, for his complete and 100% healing. Go ahead and take your phones out. Set your alarm to the times. We got alarms going off all kinds of weird times in my house right now. Um, but set, set, set your alarms to the times that you sign up for, right? Um, and, uh, and please continue to pray. We're going to tell you a little bit more about what you can pray about here in just a minute and even ask uh, Bryce to come up and share a few things if he would. Um... So here we are, um, a full week and a few days since James has been in the hospital um, up at Oshai. And if you've never been to Oshai, we've had, um, we've had a couple of our kids have some, some long-term stays there. And I will tell you that what an incredible, incredible place it is. And medical professionals that are there and like top-of-the-line, state-of-the-art, best medical care that you could get for one of your kids. And, um, and here we are a week and a couple of days out and um, gosh darn it, they still just can't figure out what's wrong with James. 
Um, and and it went from aplastic anemia, okay, it's not that, to leukemia, probably not that either. Okay, well, it could be these other two things. Maybe, maybe not, but now maybe looking like another thing, like another doctor comes in, I'm going to try some different medication. And, um, and here's what I know. I, what I know is that here, what I know is that the, um, the world and the world and the doctors and the specialists there, um, they keep coming into the room saying, well, we thought it was this. We think it's this. And then come back a few days later, ah, I guess it's not that. Well, I guess if it's not that, then it must be this. Okay, it's, well, but then it's not that either. Come back. Okay, we thought it was those things, but it's obviously not those things. And so it's got to be this. And um, all, all I keep hearing the Lord saying is um, uh, keep praying and do not give up, right? Because this thing, whatever it is, is running for its life. At the sound of the chorus of the prayers of the saints who are going to the Lord and saying, Lord, heal this boy. There is, there is, there is no, there is no other, there is no other explanation. There is no other reason. Like, oh, well, yeah, the doctors are just confused. Listen, we, we pay doctors lots of money to not be confused, okay? It's not that the doctors are confused. It's that every time the world steps down on, this is what James has, the Lord says, no. This is not what he has. And this is not what's going to happen. And we are going to continue, continue, continue to pray. Um, I want to share just one well, a couple things, a couple verses, maybe. That when, um, that there is a, that there is a history and a pattern and a, um, and a biblical example of, of, of the church as a whole, of all those who call Jesus Savior, right? To come in strong support and strong prayer in a moment where the odds seem completely blown. Uh, for instance, in Acts chapter 12, when Peter is put into prison after um, preaching the gospel, and the church is like, well, hold, wait, 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 hold on a second. Hold, hold on a second. No, no. We, we command the throne room of heaven because we are children of the Father, and because the Father hears the voice of his children and responds with compassion, right? And it says in, um, in Acts chapter 12, um, verse 5, so, so Peter was, or after arresting him, he uh, put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each, 16 people guarding one man. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover, and so Peter was kept in prison, but the church earnestly prayed to God for his 
release. Right? And the release, we would think, would look something like, oh, Herod has a change of heart. He decides to let them go, tells the guards to go home, right? They let him out of the prison door. Sorry about that, bro. Good luck with the gospel thing on your way, right? But it wasn't like, it wasn't a, it wasn't an explanation that the world was able to give. It was actually a miraculous working of the Holy Spirit in power. And the night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with chains and sentries standing guard at the entrance. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. And he struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Get up, he said. And the chains fell off of Peter's wrists. And the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals. And so Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you. Follow me, the angel told him. And so Peter followed him out of the prison. He had no idea what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed other guards, came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself, and they went through it. And when they had walked the length of one street, street suddenly the angel left him. And the Peter, Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were anticipating. I am praying, we are praying fervently, persistently, confidently, and boldly that we would see in real time the work of the Holy Spirit of God through faith in Jesus Christ bring healing to James' body when the world has it, like when, when the world has all kinds of explanations for why they can't figure out what's going on. And we are, we, are, we are praying, right? And we are, we are consistently praying and we are fervently praying, not trying to strong arm, spiritually strong arm God into doing something that he is unwilling to do. But we are, we are praying by faith as his children. And what the scripture says is that the Lord attunes his cry to the voice of his children. He hears their voice and that the prayer of faith makes the sick well. And so I know no other explanation. I know no other path. I know no other process other than to say, Lord, you are not unwilling to heal James. You are capable and you are willing. And so, Lord, empower us to express the faith that you have delivered to us through Jesus Christ to continue to contend in the spiritual realm for his physical healing, knowing that the wisdom of the world that says he has this, await this, await this, await this, await this, is being confounded by the wisdom of God. And that there will be a day through the power of God and the grace of God and the blood of Jesus Christ that a healed James Dieter is a living testimony to the miracle working power of God and the praying power of the church. I believe it with every fiber of my being. And I also believe this, church. We absolutely, 100%, without a doubt, cannot give up praying. 
not a single second. Do not relax for a single moment. I'm going to share this one last little scripture, and then I want Bryce to come up. Um, and then we're going to spend some more time in prayer for James. Um, is this in Luke chapter 18? Jesus says this to his disciples. Luke chapter 18, verse 1. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable. Well, what, what possibly could Jesus want to teach in this parable? And uh, Luke didn't leave the message up for chance here. He just said, I'm going to flat out tell you why Jesus taught this parable. Then Jesus told the disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and never give up. Always pray and never give up. You don't really need me to elucidate really any spiritual or theological points here other than just that one, that Jesus taught his disciples to always pray and never give up. In a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice over my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care about men, yet because this widow keeps on bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says, and will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they will get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Church, let Jesus come and find faith in this room. Let Jesus come and find faith in this room. Jesus tells his disciples here a story. Always pray and do not give up. He tells a story to help make the point kind of hit home. There are some misconceptions often about this passage. First is that like, well... God kind of seems like, God, God is not the judge here in this passage. Um, he's not the judge of the story. In fact, we are told, we're told that the judge here in this story is unjust in verse 6. And that the judge did not fear God, nor did he care about men. And in fact, God himself is actually a part of the parable and a part of the story in verse 7. But the point here that Jesus is saying is that, hey, even if the unjust judge will give over to the demands of the widow who comes day and night, how much more than will God, who is just, respond to his chosen ones who cry out day and night? What I, what I, call, what I call us to, church, as your, as your pastor, as your leader, is that our prayer would be described as hitting the ears of God day and night with a persistency that would wear someone out if they were listening. That's exactly what the parable teaches, right? And we can increase our persistence in prayer by, by, by uniting with one another so that we become as one body, that is what we are, right? one body, that we become not just 
150 different voices, but with one body, we become one voice that, that never ceases praying over a seven-day period of time because at every increment we have available to us with one voice and one spirit and one faith in one Lord and one baptism in one God and Father over us all, the chorus of prayer never ceases. Please, if I've ever said this before, let me say it again. Do not offer your thoughts. Like, doesn't need, we don't need well wishes. It's not thoughts and prayers. It's prayer. Prayer changes things. Prayer changes things. Let us become, let us come as Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16 says, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Let us go boldly to the throne of grace, to the one that heals, on behalf of James and his family. I didn't tell Bryce that he was going to have to come up and say anything. I don't even know if he wants to, but we would welcome him up here. We would love for him to come up and share a little bit about his heart and what's going on with the family. I cannot begin to express to you how overwhelming this body has been. Uh, we were watching online last week, and we saw the call to prayer. We watched the, the ask for financial resources, and I can't tell you. Like, it's overwhelming. Justin and I have been communicating all week as, as your gifts and your support has been coming in, and I, I, I can't even react. My reaction is on overload, and I can't. It's too much. It's too much. And all I can say is, oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. And that's what my wife and I are feeling from you. And through all... I have so many testimonies. I have so many testimonies. Um, I'm going to try and honor your time because I could go all day. <laughs> so uh, he's been knitting... The Lord has been knitting all of these scriptures together through this whole thing. If, if you've been reading, you know the, the facts of what's going on with James. We're looking at aplastic anemia. No, no, that's off the table. It's, it's, it's ALL leukemia. That's what it is. We're just waiting for the hard evidence. No hard evidence. And each time the doctor, Dr. Ambrusco, who we honor and we love, and he is amazing, every time he comes in and says, gives us the bad news that it's not what we thought, my wife and I will look at each other with a smirk because we know what it is. We know what's going on. We know that it is the faithful prayers of this body and all of the people that are praying all around this country. We have such an incredible network of people who are praying for James by name. But, and, and it's confounding the doctors. Like, we've heard through the nurses that Dr. Ambrusco is like, I just don't get, he probably thinks we're sociopaths. <laughs> He's, they're so nice, but nothing shakes them. Why does nothing shake us? Because our God is good and he is a healer. So, <laughs> oh, so good. So every time he comes in, we know. We know what he's going to tell us. He's going to tell us something far more dark, far more sinister. 
but it just gives us another targeted prayer that we've been, we've been truly doing our best to tell you. Now we can tell you that James has been fever-free for 36 hours, which is amazing. That's huge. This is healing. But this is so much bigger than James. Like, don't get me wrong. He is, oh, he is big on our hearts. And the Lord has provided so much. And that's what, that's what I want to share with you. Like, just your simple obedience in, in, in sharing your resources in your prayer has been overwhelming to us. It's brought to me in, in the most crushing, in a really good sense, crushing way. Uh, when Jesus is teaching on the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew, uh, Matthew 6, right? Um, <laughs> I'm going to pull it up because I have some highlighted verses, right? Wow, Matthew 6 is so good. Um, but he says, consider the, the birds of the field. Like, they don't sow seed. They don't, they don't harvest the field. They don't gather up in barns. The Lord provides for them, and they have nothing, they have no need. Consider the flowers of the field who are adorned far greater than Solomon's riches. We're experiencing that, that provision, thanks to you. But it doesn't just end there. That's what the Lord is doing in that hospital room, 1209 at Oshai. Is, he is showing his faithfulness, his goodness. Um his kingdom coming. Do not be anxious. People will come to us and, and the doctors, the nurses will tell us the bad news and we can't respond in anxiety because Jesus said, do not be anxious. Like some of you, and I know your hearts and I love it, but you don't have to look on us with pity because we are, we are rejoicing in the Lord. We are joyful even in these trials. I, I, I know it's crazy that I am so overflowing with his goodness. We do not worry about what we're going to eat or what we're going to, to wear. Um, but as you, as this, I need you to hear this from my heart, from Amanda's heart, and I, he's under my care, under James's heart, I need you to hear this church. I need you to hear this conduit. As you go into prayer, as you have so, so wonderfully committed to, to praying for James, don't go to the throne room. Don't seek first James's healing. Seek first the kingdom of God. Yes. And all of this will be added. Seek first the kingdom of God. Don't seek James's healing. It'll be in there. Okay? I, I, if my heart is for you, seek first the kingdom of God in your prayers. God has already provided James's healing. He already paid for that healing on the cross. By his stripes, it says in Isaiah, by his stripes we were, were healed. In uh, first or second Peter, it says, by his stripes we have been healed. James has been healed. We're calling his body into alignment with the will of God. 
Seek first the kingdom of God. That's what I need you to know. That's what I need you to be focused on in this season. Like, wow. (laughs) I am so grateful. Like, I can't even express it because it is so overwhelming. But we've been able to minister even subtly like Pastor Cameron with, uh, with Brad even subtly like that, but even overtly, as I was going down the road to pick up uh, supper for us, because hospital food is amazing, but it gets old sometimes. So I went down the road, and I met a guy on the, on the street, and he picked me out right away. He's like, I'm going to him. He was asking for some money. He was homeless. And I, I kind of felt like uh, Peter and John going up to the temple in Acts 3, I got nothing, but what I have for you is Jesus, and I got to pray with him. He is dealing with stomach cancer, and he's got a whole lot of burdens on his heart, but I shared my story. I shared my testimony. Your testimony is so powerful. Know your testimony. Share your testimony. I shared my testimony with him, and I got to pray with him, and, and um, he physically said, I just feel lighter. I feel a weight lifted got the world crushing down on him and to give him that that, I didn't give him anything but Jesus did I wouldn't have these opportunities Jesus is moving in such a far greater expanse than we than you can gather seek the kingdom of God seek the kingdom of God because we're because in that kingdom we pray our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth in James as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses. As we forgive those who trespass against us, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory. Amen. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much. Let's have the worship team come back up, and we'll, uh, we'll spend here the next few minutes in prayer. And, um, you know, la- last week we, had, we gave the opportunity, if any, any of you are feeling, uh, feeling led to pray in these moments um, for, uh, for James, then we welcome those prayers for the coming of the kingdom. We welcome those prayers. So... Um, I guess we can go down here. That way we'll get ready. So I'll open us in prayer for James and then anyone else that would like to, um, like to join, and then we'll go right into worship from there. All right? Heavenly Father, we hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess with boldness and confidence, knowing that you hear us when we call out to you. Lord, we reject any belief or any theology that paints you as an unreluctant giver. As one who is stingy in healing, as one who blesses one more than they blesses another, Father, I don't, I don't know and 
can't make any explanation out of anything in the world or anything that's going on other than, Lord, you are good. That you hear us because you love us. Lord, and that you are you are building and pouring out light from your kingdom in room 1209 at Oshai Children's Hospital. Lord, I pray, I pray like a flood that the miracle working power of the Holy Spirit that is coursing through James's body right now would pour out the door, down the hallway at Oshai. Lord, that others, Father, would run into this wave, <laughs> wave of your miracle working power in that place. Lord, that the testimony of healing, the testimony of prayer would come, would come from that place, Lord, and that a revival of faith would begin. Lord, we pray boldly and with confidence in the name of Jesus and by the blood of Jesus for James' complete 100% healing, that the wisdom of the doctors would finally be confounded, that he would be found to be made completely whole and healthy in Jesus' name, that there would be no sickness or disease anywhere in his body. Lord, that you would bring him to full and complete health. Lord, give us the endurance necessary to pray and to not give up as Jesus has taught. Lord, and do a work in your church that reveals once again the power of crying out. Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Lord, we cry out to you. Lord, asking that you would pour out the presence of your Holy Spirit upon us and among us. Lord, as we pray and do not give up, Lord, you are good. We worship you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Conduit, you are loved. Have a great week. Go in peace.